Hi, everyone. Welcome back to a special episode of Deliberately Better. I'm joined today by Dr. Ben Buchanan. Welcome, Ben. Oh, thanks for having me, Damon. To begin with, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and the work you do? So I'm a clinical psychologist and and, uh, work in private practice and also run a software company called NovoPsych, which is uh, designed for psychologists to track the progress of patients. Um, And so what we know is that when when a client... Um, goes and sees a psychologist it can be really difficult to know if progress is being made and if that person is actually receiving the benefit from therapy that they're well that they're that they're trying to get and so NovoPsych is a software platform with a bunch of self-report questionnaires that have been scientifically validated that helps the psychologist determine whether the person is getting uh, better, uh, worse, or staying the same. One way of thinking about it is, you know, when you go to, you know, a doctor and they give you a blood test to check your levels of, um, you know, iron or whatever, you know, this is the equivalent for a psychologist where they, um, where they check your levels of perhaps depression, anxiety, stress, or, they, or PTSD, or pretty much any psychological construct we can measure. How did you come up with the idea for Novosite? Well, the, the way I came up with it was I was sitting in a lecture in my doctorate learning about the way psychometric measurement is done, the way we measure people's psychological health. And what the lecturer was teaching us was some extremely rudimentary mathematics, extremely rudimentary capacity for like tracking treatment progress over time. Um, you know, the sort of stuff that, you know, we would have learned in high school, um, I was receiving a lecture on during my clinical doctorate. And um, so I thought this is really, this is really um, a bit rudimentary. And so I set about it to be my mission to make it better for psychologists to bring us into the 21st century. Yeah. Do you have to be a psychologist to use NovoPsych or can it be anyone it's, who gets it? The, the way it's geared and the way the software platform works, it's, it's for professionals in um, you know working in a mental health setting and so while anyone can get access to it the way it's geared is really um, towards uh, people in a uh, mental health practice to measure the outcomes of their clients having said that I know that lots of psychologists themselves use use the platform to measure their own progress and their own mental health and I know that we've got some non um, plenty of non-psychologists using it for that purpose as well wow are there any tests on there that are the most commonly used? Well, the most commonly used tests are, are ones for depression, anxiety, and stress. Mm-hmm. And because, well, these are the, the types of presenting issues that are most common for psychologists in private practice. Mm-hmm. So they're the things that um, the psychologists are wanting to focus on to uh, help the client out with. Great. And for yourself then, have you ever used it for, for personal reasons or? You know, I'm a bit of a metrics nut, right? So I love metrics and I love uh, objectively getting feedback about how I'm doing. And so you can get feedback about how you're doing in lots of different ways by, you know, asking colleagues and so on. But one of the ways that I get feedback is once a month, I administer uh a whole bunch of questionnaires to myself to measure my psychological health. You know, just because I'm a psychologist doesn't mean that, um, you know, I'm not going to, my mental health isn't going to go up and down. And so each month 
I've set up a, an automated system where I get prompted to answer uh, 21 questions um, about my mood and then I'm able to track how I'm doing. And I could show you the results of some of that, actually. Yeah, that'd be great. So let me get that. Uh, what I'm showing you here is my scores on a questionnaire called the Depression Anxiety Stress Scale. And so there's a scale from zero to 100. So anything above the 90th percentile is a real problem. It shows that my mental health is not good. And so you can see that this particular series, I've been tracking my mental health once a month since the 1st of January, 2019, all mm -hmm. the way up to the 1st of November, 2020. And most of the time, my mental health is pretty good. Um, there was a time in February of 2020 where my mental health was not so good and was almost um, above that 90th percentile. Also, more recently, in, in fact, since the start, or virtually the start of 2020, you know, my mental health has been, symptoms have been increasing over that time. So, well, it's been a 20, it's been a, 2020 has been a bit of a stressful year for many people, given the pandemic. And then you can drill down and actually see some of the, the results and it breaks those symptoms into three distinct clusters and they are depression, anxiety and stress. So you can see that, you know, depression levels for me are always pretty fine. Um, mm. They're always pretty low. Uh, anxiety goes up and down a bit, but the real problem in my life is stress. You can mm. see that there's been a number of occasions, you know, in June of 2019, in February 2020, and on the 1st of November, where my stress has actually been pretty sky high. Mm -hmm. And... And then when I'm reflecting on how I'm doing, I can think, well, what was actually happening during those times? Why was I struggling? And then I can gain um, insights into the sorts of problems in my life which are causing me to have undue stress. Yeah. And you can just say at the start of the year, like in January, your mental health was going really well, scores really low. And then all of a sudden, I'm guessing because you were starting to be aware that COVID was was becoming a bigger problem and was potentially going to impact your work and other areas of your life, it really spiked up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that one of the great things about having a time series like this is that you can see, well, you know, computers mem memorize things perfectly and, and human beings are terrible at it. And we are really bad at thinking, how was my mental health a year ago? We're just, we're just not good at that. Our brain is not set up to remember that accurately. Yeah. Whereas a graph like this can show us how was I during, you know, February last year or whenever. Um, and so this is something that I do for myself. And I know a lot of the psychologists that use NovoPsych also do it. A questionnaire called the valuing questionnaire. It measures how much progress I am making in living consistently with my values? Am I behaving in ways that I want to be behaving in in life? And then the other thing that it measures is obstructions. And obstructions is defined as the, the things that get in the way of me living the sort of life that I want to live. Mm -hmm. um, and I know also a number of psychologists that use this with their clients, obviously, because that's what it's designed to do, but that also set this up to administer 
the valuing questionnaire to themselves once a month to see whether they're leading the sort of life that they want to lead. And with the scoring up and the graphs, is that any extra work or is that done automatically? All done automatically. And so this is, you know, this is what the NovoSac platform does. It, it, um, it scores it up, graphs it up automatically, compares your scores to, to, clinical, to clinical or non-clinical normative data. Um, and so you get some really good context for what your scores mean. Mm-hmm. That's a real benefit I see. You know, we were taught with paper and pencil and having to score it up and then having to create your own graph and then tracking that and then being able to hold on to that piece of paper and not lose that over time. So just having it all there that you can access whenever you want is, is great. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's say that anyone wanted to improve something. What's the best way to go about it? I think when we want to improve something, we've got to firstly take stock of where we're at and then we've got to say all right i'm here and i want to be somewhere else and then we've got to define really specifically where that somewhere else is there's no point in saying you know things like i want to be fitter i want to be happier because they're too vague they're too amorphous you can't put your finger on it and and also you won't know really, whether you're fitter or happier or whatever the, the thing is, unless you're measuring it. It's not a bad starting place, but you kind of then need to go into a bit more detail about it. Absolutely. And so, you know, one of the best things to do is to set specific goals. And, and we all know about, you know, we all set goals at the start of a year um, often, you know, New Year's resolution. But the vast majority of those goals that people set, they do not achieve. Um, and that's okay. I mean, it's okay to set goals and to not achieve them. But what we've got to be doing is holding ourselves to account to the goals that we actually do set. And the system that, that I'd um, recommend anyone and that I do myself for setting goals is doing something called SMART goals. SMART is an acronym and it stands for Specific, Measurable, Attainable, Relevant to Your Values and Time Limited. What we know is that the more specific, measurable, attainable, relevant and time limited a goal is, the research shows that the more likely we are to be able to actually achieve that goal. Okay. Let's say someone did say, I want to get fitter. How could that be turned into a SMART goal? So that person's going to have to figure out how to measure fitness. And so for some people, it's going to be, you know, they want to be able to bench, bench press more. For some people, it's going to be that they're going to be able to you know, run a particular distance um, faster. And so drilling down into an extremely specific goal, like, can you think of a specific fitness goal? Yeah, I'd like to run five kilometres. You just want to run five kilometres nonstop or is there a particular timing? that Run five kilometres without a break um, and without walking. Okay, well, that's a pretty specific goal. And you can also measure that goal as well because it's pretty obvious whether you've walked or not. So it's specific, it's measurable. Is it, is it realistic or achievable? This is the other thing that we've got to figure out. You know, sometimes we set lofty goals and they're just out of this world and they're, they're just not going to happen. Well, that goal for a guy like you, Damon, sounds pretty, pretty realistic, although your knee is stuffed <laughs> at the moment, I, I gather. Yeah, I did tear my ACL, a little rupture that. Uh, but again, you know, I think I could probably go out and do 5K, especially okay. if I, I built up to it and I tried to get there over a month, I could definitely do that. Cool. 
And then the R in SMART goals, relevant to your values. I suppose that is relevant to your values. I know that you've been you've been a basketballer previously, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I do enjoy being fit. I'm not sure if running is really the best thing for me. I have done three half marathons in the past and I never trained for either of the, any of those races. I just played sport and then did the running and then I'd pull up sore for a week. So it's probably not that relevant to my values. I think being able to maybe go for bike rides might be more relevant. All right. So this is interesting. So we can see that going through this smart goals process, you've actually realized that there might be something more relevant for you. And then the, the T of smart. So the last letter in it is time limited. And so we've got to set that, set the goal to be achieved by a particular date. No point setting goals, which is just saying, I want to be able to bike ride or I want to be able to run 5Ks at some point in the future. To really keep our eye on the ball, we've got to be setting a deadline. This is why, you know, most workplaces have deadlines. University sets deadlines for their students. Schools set deadlines because deadlines and a particular time limit is conducive to providing motivation to keep people's eye on the ball. Yeah. Otherwise they can say, oh, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do that next week. Exactly. Yeah. That's great. I've been using uh, activity trackers for a number of years, uh, you know, whether it's Fitbit or Jawbone or uh, the latest one is the Aura Ring. And I find that it's really helpful to have fitness goals on that. So with Fitbit, I would go for 10,000 steps a day. With the aura ring, they tell you how many calories that they'd want you to try to burn through activity. Uh, and what I've noticed is with each month, I actually increase that or I, or I managed to meet those goals. Whereas at the start, maybe it wasn't as important. Nice. And I suppose one of the really beautiful things about Fitbits and activity trackers is that they make that measurable bit of smart goals automated. You know, with this Fitbit, you just have to put it on your wrist and it's measuring you. And so there's no way to, or it's, it's difficult to, to say, oh, well, I didn't track it or, I, or, or and it's difficult to game the system as well. And so many of these technologies are so good at just providing the measurability of whether we're getting to where we want to go. Yeah. And it's so interesting how it even changes motivation as well. Like you can jump into a car and, and drive down to the shops or you could walk down and you know, if you walk down, that's 4,000 steps, then you're 40% towards your daily goal. And suddenly you're just moving more throughout the day. Yeah. And, and it's making the invisible or the um, something that's diff- difficult to grasp, like how many steps you've done into something that's visible tangible measurable and and obvious to you especially if it's got you know notifications and it's telling you how you've got to get up and move and one thing i've picked up on is is you know if you exercise too late it really does impact your sleep a little bit as well so it motivates me to try to get that done a little bit earlier in the day so i can have energy during the day but also not disrupting my sleep at night you're telling me i mean we all know about fitbits and so on you've been experimenting with a Uh, the aura ring as well haven't you yeah yeah so it just looks like a standard ring uh, that you wear on your finger and it has three little parts where it it somehow tracks what's going on Um, but i really like the the amount of data that it gives you so it's got three main scores there's your activity score and that'll be out of 100 for how well you've moved during the day how inactive you've been things like that 
Um, it's got your sleep score, which is again out of 100, and that'll tell you if you've had enough sleep, are you sleeping at the right time? How restful is your sleep? How much REM or deep sleep are you getting? And then the third one is a readiness score. And this is really a sense of how much you can push yourself during the day. So if you've been overdoing it recently and just you know, moving too much, working too hard, your readiness score is likely to be lower the next day. So it also tracks something called heart rate variability, and that's a nice indicator of stress. And we know that if our heart rate variability score is lower, again, we're probably going to have to take it a little bit easier so that we can recover a bit. And then the next day it's going to spike up and then we know we can push ourselves a bit harder again. Oh, I love this. I mean, heart rate variability is something that I've been using in my um, clinical practice for a long time. And I've got this big machine that I plug people into and plug into my computer and gives us all these complicated metrics. And then in the last couple of years, all of these consumer products have come out that just makes it so easy and so accessible to everyone. Yeah, I have, I have something that you just clip onto your ear and then you can do heart rate variability training. I think what would be really interesting to see is, let's say you do 10 minutes of that a day, what impact does that have on your heart rate variability in general? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is there anything else you track? Well, one thing I've, I do track is I track my capacity to meditate. So I, at times in my life, you know, I've tried to meditate every day. Less uh, These days I'm probably only doing it once a week. And when people start meditating, there's often this sense of, am I doing it right? Am I a good meditator? And one thing that I've got is a EEG machine that essentially reads my brain waves and can tell me whether I'm in a, a meditative state or not. And so it's just another way that I measure how I'm doing, how my, how my mental health is, um, and how good my meditation practice is at a particular time. Great. So let's say someone sets a smart goal then. How do they know what the best thing is to track? I think that that's a, that's a, um, a very good question. You know, the, the more specific and the more measurable it can be, the better. Um, and the other thing with setting goals is we know that uh, writing down goals increases the propensity for those goals to be achieved by over 60%. Wow. Um, and so whenever you're forming a goal, We've got to just drill down into actually how we measure that and then write it down and then importantly, hold ourselves to account to it. I think everyone's goals are going to be a bit different. And that's why I think the whole relevant to your values thing is important for some people, you know, for an athlete, they're going to have a different set of goals, which are relevant to their values um, compared to a parent who, who perhaps wants to or values um, their family life at the pinnacle of what they're wanting to achieve. So I think that we've really got to tune into ourselves and think, all right, well, what do I think is important rather than simply what society thinks should be a good goal? Yeah, it's interesting. I've been using an app called Dailyo as well. And just every day on a five-point scale, you say what your mood is like. All right. So this is a way you track your mood. Yeah, yeah. And it's something I've been doing for over 400 days straight now. And it's really interesting to see those patterns again. What have you noticed? March was probably pretty stressful for me. That was when I was in Vanuatu. And then I think on the 16th, I was told I needed to leave by the end of the month. And on the 19th, I was told I needed to leave the next day. Okay, wow. Yeah. So it was like an evacuation from your stint overseas. Yeah, from Vanuatu, I didn't get to finish a lot of the, the goals that we had for my time there. Uh, didn't get to say goodbye to anyone. So that was really tough. I, I think... 
took a little bit of time to readjust back to Melbourne, but I've also noticed that with just how many people are in need of, of psychological care at the moment, that it's important that I'm not overloading myself too much. So about a month ago, I was really getting to the point where I was feeling a little bit burnt out. Uh, and I've just tried to pull back that workload a little bit and then things have improved again. Okay. Is there anything else that you wanted to say or advice that you give to people if they're wanting to improve things? The final thing I want to say about goals is lots of people don't set goals because they've done it before and they've realized that they're failing at their goals. And so people think, well, what's the point in goals? Because I don't want to raise my expectations that I can achieve something just to disappoint myself. And, you know, we all know what it's like to fall short from where we want to be, to not get something that we really wanted. But in my goal setting process, in my process of reviewing where, I, where I'm at, whether I've succeeded in a goal or not, I've taken to revel in the idea and revel in the instances where I fall short of my goals because it provides me with really important feedback, either feedback of perhaps the goal wasn't realistic and wasn't achievable, it provides me with feedback around perhaps my values changed or it provides me with feedback that I've got to be changing something in my life and reaffirms this idea that that goal that I set is important to me and reminds me of it. Instead of thinking about a goal being a failure, I tend to look at my goals and um, see them as uh, really important feedback and information that I can use to inform my next set of goals. Yeah. I think it's really important for people to also try to focus on what's in their control. Uh, you know, you might say, I want to improve my relationship with my boss at work, but you can only control half of that. So if you say with my boss, I want to be more energetic or I want to go and ask questions more. I want to set more meetings. That's something you can do. So yeah, if you're having setbacks, if you're not quite achieving what you want, just really in that reflection process, make sure that what you are trying to improve is something that you can do practically about it. Yeah, I completely agree. If anyone wants to find out more, where can they go? If anyone wants to find out about NervoPsych, particularly psychologists um, working in mental health, they can go to nervopsych.com.au and they can uh, download NervoPsych for free. All right. Thanks for all your time today, Ben. No worries, Damon. Take care.